0: My name is Terry Clarabin, I'm part of the podcast police. I'd like you to know that this podcast is not rated, and as such, you are venturing upon a journey that we cannot guarantee your safety. If at any time you feel real nervous about what you're listening, remember, you can always turn it off. Or can you?
1: Hi, my name is Milt Fipple and I'm a member of the podcast Christian Coalition. And we have decided that this particular podcast isn't suitable for Christian consumption, so we would um, recommend that you turn off this podcast and go over and listen to an episode of Brenda and Jesus. Brenda and Jesus. What is that? I don't know, I made it oh, up. Okay. I thought that was like a real it's a sitcom, it's a sitcom I'm working on. Brenda and Jesus, they, Jesus comes back
0: and they're roommates.
1: It's hilarious.
0: All right, look, it, the, the good weather continues. Your dog is crying in the background. You, it's know, what's that? I mean, you know
1: why? Because I'm eating pecan pie
0: and he's losing his shit. Wouldn't that kill him if he ate that? I don't know. Can you hear that? It sounds like a tea kettle. It does. I, I'm so concerned my dog is going to eat something toxic because all the snow is gone in the backyard and She is sniffing everything and putting everything in her mouth. I have no idea about half the plants in my backyard. Oh, my dog ate a poop bag the other day. The whole poop bag. (laughs) my God. Yeah. Like with poop in it? No. Okay, that's better. Nobody ate the whole poop bag. Was it lavender scented? (laughs) Aren't they awful? The smells are awful. Yeah. Well, I'd rather that though than the poop smell. But yes, they are quite uh, pungent and they get on everything. Yeah, they yes. smell like a diaper. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. We don't normally do this, but I, I'm. I'm going to prompt you right now to tell the listener if you're okay with this. What happened to you? Uh, I believe it was this. Just this, like a few days ago. You. You fought crime in our fair city. Oh my god, yeah. So I'm coming home, um, driving the laneway, and I'm just coming around the front of the house,
1: and this woman says, um, "Look, that guy just took a package off your neighbor's." Oh my god, the dog just licked my pie.
0: Do you, you, and you mean the, your food? Not, that's not,
1: okay. Are yeah. The, the, and he, she says, the guy just took a package off your neighbor's step. Mm-hmm. And I saw him actually doing it out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, what is that guy doing up on my neighbor's step? Because I know my neighbors are a young couple with a baby. Oh. And it was an Amazon package, of course. And he started to just walk away. So I said, hey, buddy, is that yours? And that was my dog shaking. I said, hey, is that yours? And he started to run. So I was like, I'm not putting up with this. And I ran. You ran after him. I did. He didn't look like somebody who'd be a big threat. So I ran uh, down a street and I saw him duck into an alley. So I followed him in the alley and he had thrown the package in someone's recycling bin. So I retrieved it and I uh, continued to follow him. And every now and then he'd run and I would run and it ran for nine blocks. But the best part is this. This is the part I love the most. Oh, it's so cool. It's so like, ooh, high tech, woo, fight crime. I'm running and I'm on the phone with the police on 911. I said, look, this guy just stole. I'm a witness to it. I'm following him on foot. And the police lady on the phone, well, not police lady, but the 911 operator saying, don't do that. You'll get killed. Mm. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I'm I'm keeping a safe distance. And I don't think I'm in any danger. She's like, no, don't do that. You're going to get killed. But I did it anyway. Mm -hmm. So I put my phone back in my pocket. (laughs) Can you hear that? Dog wants pie. So I chased him for nine blocks. And eventually he went down an alleyway and hid behind a car and he thought I couldn't see him, but I could totally see him. He's the world's worst criminal. I know, he was terrible. So I stood there pretending that I was looking around to try to find him and then three police cars showed up. They all stopped and blocked the the road. It was really cool and they got out and I said, He's behind that car. He thinks I can't see him. They went and arrested him and it was a big to do but the cool thing is the like thing I was going to tell you about the the fighting crime they were tracking me using my phone and I didn't know it. Oh. Yeah, I never knew about this so when I uh, when all the dust settled, I looked at my phone and it said you are now being followed by the Ottawa Police. Blah, 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 blah. And then there was also a message saying, um, you know, monitoring the progress of your phone has now concluded. Wow. So they were tracking my where I was using my phone.
0: I didn't know they could do that. I didn't know either. It's a little invasive, but it's also cool. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it is incredibly invasive. But I could have been in danger, right? Yeah. The part that you're not telling everybody is that the person you were chasing was seven. <laughs>
1: yes and his mother came out and screamed at me in italian no um he was they told me afterwards he was a known criminal and this was not his first rodeo sure but i think this will make the listener smile as much as i did what was in the box because he had opened it to see little tiny rubber boots for their one-year-old their one-year-old daughter a little tiny baby
0: blanket and little tiny umbrella is that when he he ditched it when he realized yeah he realized there was
1: nothing in it of any value to him
0: well, it's funny that you mention crime. Crime. Right? Because the story I bring to you today is as close to true crime that I've come since um, we've started the show. Even that werewolf guy? That was cool. That was like medieval true crime. That was dark. I, st- I haven't, still haven't recovered from that. I did buy um, a wolf suit that I'm going to peer through your, your when you move into your new home? Well, do you want to know something funny?
1: You know, my last episode last week was Mothman. You can buy a Mothman plushie. They're adorable with big red eyes and wings. Jeez, that's terrible. No, you know, that one you did about that guy, the, the wolf guy. Yes, the wolf, werewolf of Bedberg. Yeah, not only was
0: what he did bad, but the way they punished him was equally horrifying. It was the grossest, I think, episode I did. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, so this one—I and I don't know. This is considered one of the great unsolved mysteries. Is that a tab you're drinking? No, I'm drinking a Coke that came free with a pizza. Oh, it's exciting, eh? I never drink Coke. I hate it, but it's cold and oh, it's so warm in this house. There's times where Coke is a great drink. I know it's boring, it's blasé, but at times it's good. Well, I'm downing it now. Well, there you go. No, so um, this is considered one of the great unsolved and very strange disappearances in uh U.S history oh all right so this is the mysterious disappearance of Dorothy forstein I've never heard of this oh good
1: I was so sure you were gonna be like Amelia Earhart or something like that
0: no because I think they know now what happened to her oh do they Mm-hmm. I got to look that up. She landed in the parking lot of a McDonald's on the Canary Islands. And you were working there and refused to serve her. Well, no, she had an allergy to more than two pickles and I had put four and she died. This is when I was time traveling, working uh, at McDonald's. You and I have to do a working at McDonald's skit now. <laughs> we do. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. So what happened? Philadelphian Dorothy Cooper-Forstein appeared to be happily married comfortably well-to-do, a loving mother, and really, really well-liked. She was, in short, one of the last people anyone would imagine as a victim of one of the creepiest disappearances in American history. In 1942, Dorothy married Jules Forstein, who at the time was a promising city clerk. What's neat is they had been childhood sweethearts. So they had actually dated in their teens, but then, you know, due to life circumstances had drifted apart and didn't actually end up getting married till much later in life. At the time that they got married, so in the early 1940s, Jules' career really started to take off. He was made a magistrate in 1943 and he was building a really solid reputation in Philadelphia. The couple had three young children. Myrna and Marcy, who were Jules' offspring from a previous marriage, and Jules' first wife, Molly, died in early 1940 while giving birth.
1: Oh, childbirth death. That happened a lot back
0: then. Yes. To, so when Mar- as Marcy was being born, she passed in, in that process. And then they had also their own baby, uh, which was a little boy named Edward. So this is a story that actually comes in two very weird parts. Mm-hmm. There was a very first incident. The Forstein's idyllic life was shattered on January 25th, 1945. On that evening, Mrs. Forstein dropped her eight children off at a neighbor's house so that she could do some shopping. She reportedly joked with the butcher and chatted with friends as she went about her errands. Later, her neighbor saw her return home and thought that she saw a shadowy figure walking with or slightly behind her, as she made her way through the late evening shadows to her front door. Oh. It was a safe neighborhood, and her neighbor, Maria Townley, never imagined that Dorothy was in any trouble. As she entered her house, someone, presumably the shadowy figure, suddenly sprang out of the darkness and attacked her, beating Dorothy into unconsciousness with their fists and some sort of blunt object. Luckily, her fall knocked over her telephone which sat in the front part of her home and when the operator heard strange noises coming from the instrument she alerted the police and this is the back in the time where you took the phone off the hook and there was an operator waiting on the other end to connect your call right of course was dial tone which was a godsend in this case
1: and i love that the phones were always in the front hall yeah yeah Ours was in the kitchen. Was yours in the kitchen
0: growing up? We had a phone in the kitchen, yeah. Yeah, which is weird because who wants to talk to somebody in the kitchen? But that's where I remember my like my mom and stuff talking to a lot of people would be in the kitchen. In the kitchen, yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember we got a special cord so you could walk really far. Yes. With the phone. Yeah. You know, you'd scoop it up mm-hmm. so you could walk even around the kitchen with it. Our kitchen phone was wall-mounted. Eventually, ours was too. When we moved, we had a modern 1980s uh, phone. That was wall-mounted. The good old days of the phone. So the attacker fled at the sound of approaching sirens. Police officers arrived moments later and found a battered Dorothy on the floor of the hallway. Mrs. Forstein was found with her nose and jaw broken and a fractured shoulder, and she also suffered a concussion. She was rushed to the hospital, and when she awakened, she could only weakly explain that someone jumped out at me. I couldn't see who it was. He just hit me and hit me. Investigators were baffled by the crime. Burglary could not have been the motive as nothing in the house had been taken. She was knocked unconscious. He continued to hit her even after she was was out, right? So it's not like he attacked her, wanted her not, you know, to knock her out so that he could then pillage the house. He just was beating her to death, literally. I'm actually
1: surprised, though, because I thought this was going to go a lot darker. I thought she
0: was going to die. What's wrong with you? Well, she survived, and I'm happy. I love that. Keep going. I'm sorry. She ends up being the person, and I was just about to wrap it up, who discovers the jetpack. And isn't that technology's great mystery? Well, no, because the jetpack never caught on. Great. So this show is just a piece of trash. Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. So, Dorothy, she had no known enemies. There's no one that they could readily think of that would want to have it out for her. Jules Forstein could think of no one who could have even held enough of a professional grudge against him to attack his wife. Again, he was a well-liked, uh, apparently, in everything you read about him, because he was a pretty public figure. He was considered very fair and very even uh, like just and kind in his work as a judge. Investigators labeled the attack an attempted murder and Captain James A. Kelly of the Philadelphia Homicide Division began trying to put the pieces together. He concluded that it could only have been someone trying to kill Dorothy since no money, jewelry, or anything else had been taken from the Forstein home. Jules Forstein himself was investigated but he had an alibi and the children were too young to have been involved. The case was complicated by the fact that Dorothy had no known enemies and, in fact, was one of the most well-liked residents in the neighborhood. The most prevalent theory for the police investigators was that the attacker might have been someone who had appeared in court before Forestine and had assaulted Dorothy for revenge. Every possible lead was investigated, but no arrests were ever made. The fact remained, however, that someone had enough hatred for the seemingly kind woman to lie in wait and nearly beat her to death. Dorothy recovered from her injuries, but she was never the same again. Her happy and carefree personality was gone, replaced by an anxious woman who was nervous and upset, jumping at every noise in the house and checking and rechecking the locks on the doors and windows. And from all accounts, their home was heavily secured. Well, can you blame her? no not at all so
1: traumatic
0: Mm -hmm.
1: home invasions and
0: that kind of thing
1: oh i don't know how you go away from that
0: and to be beaten so savagely like that too right
1: unnecessarily Mm -hmm.
0: yeah she was sure that someone was out to get her and she apparently said this quite a bit jules forstein was perplexed he was sure that no one with whom he had come into contact as a magistrate would bear him enough of a grudge to hurt his wife or his family And yet he could not explain Dorothy's attack. And after that incident, being the good husband that he apparently was, he seldom left his wife and children alone after that. So he really cut down on, you know, dinners and things like that that didn't include her and Mm -hmm. never left the children alone. God, I would have hired a bodyguard. Well, and this is the other thing too. It's not like he was tackling organized crime or things like that maybe where he Mm -hmm. would have you know, a uh, um, A price on his head. Yeah. And someone who could find out where he lived and things like that. Like that, it, there's just no uh, easy sort of explanation for who did it. But it happens, right? The, the person could have just been mentally ill and attacked his wife. Absolutely. It could have been just that, right? Absolutely. Except five years went by and life for the Forstein family gradually returned to normal. On the night of October 18th, 1949, Jules made plans to attend a political banquet. This wasn't something he uh, hadn't done often since the attack, as I mentioned, and when he did, he tried to make his absences as short as possible. As he was leaving the office, he called his wife to check on her, explaining that he didn't plan to be home too late. Dorothy replied that everything was fine at home, and she joked with him for a moment, finally seeming more like her old self. She's quoted as saying, Be sure to miss me, the eldest child. 19-year-old Myrna was also absent, visiting her friends. Mrs. Forstein and the younger children spent a routine evening at home. Around 9 p.m., Dorothy phoned a friend to arrange for the two of them to take a shopping trip the next day. She showed no sign. She suspected anything was amiss. Around 11.30 p.m., Forstein came home to be greeted by the wails of his two youngest children, Edward and Marcy. Oh no. They were huddled on the floor, crying and shrieking. Dorothy was nowhere to be found. Forstein quickly discovered that the children were crying because their mother was gone. While surprised that she would have left the children at home by themselves, Forstein assumed that Dorothy was visiting with friends or neighbors. He telephoned immediately and continued to for several hours But all the people that he reached out to, none of them had heard or seen uh, her that evening, except for the one friend that she had spoken to. Oh, no. Right? I should note that at this point that there are conflicting reports with the next little bit that I'm going to say. So I I did. This was an interesting one because there's a number of different sources uh, that aren't Reddit uh, (laughs) (laughs) that are out there on this. And. It's what happened next. So very curiously, particularly in the light of the previous attack on his wife, Jules Forstein waited two days before contacting the police. Wait, what? That's insane. Now, there are some accounts that he did informally tell the police and that the search began before the two days. And that that storyline basically says they couldn't make it official until she had been missing a certain number of hours, right? I think it's 48 hours that you have to be gone. Right. But that they actually had started the search earlier, okay? Because he, he was well known by the police. Yeah, right. There's also had been an attack. I mean, years had passed, but there had been an attack. That's right. Uh, again, he's well liked by the police. Now other people will turn around and say, well, that is you know, a sign of, of guilt. But even then, if if he was involved somehow, why Why wait two days? You're a judge. You know that that's going to make it worse for you, right? Do you know, by the way, um, sidecar here,
1: um, I came across something recently that said that that 48 hours rule is bullshit, that it doesn't
0: exist. Very interesting that you're, you say that. It depends, from what I've read uh, in preparation for this, depends on where you are. Yeah, and that's it. And the nature of the disappearance. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, and well, look at now. We get these Amber Alerts on our phones, dear listener, whenever a child goes missing um, and it's conceivable that they could be in our area. So this might be an incident five hours away, but it's conceivable that this child could pass through our city. And uh, so we get our phones stop and make these horrible noises. Oh my God, yeah. And they're good because they, they, they jar you and you, they make you look. So they, they're not waiting days for that in those cases. Yeah.
1: But you know what those things, those amber alerts we get, every single one that we have gotten since they instituted the program has been a family dispute.
0: Well, because most abductions are, that's what they are. Right. So I just, is that really? Yes, because those can sometimes lead to. Death? yeah murder suicides okay. and things like that but isn't yeah. that
1: at the extreme end of it i mean is that i don't know i just i think it's weird that it's always like she, she's in you know the company of her father she's in the
0: company of her mother i always yep. find that a bit weird well it's often a parent who's lost custody right and there's probably a good reason why they've lost custody and that's why they're in a okay. state yeah okay so eventually he calls uh captain kelly And the detective uh, soon started his men checking hospitals, morgues, and hotels all over Philadelphia. They worked frantically, but no clues were discovered. Kelly went door to door in the neighborhood, but no one had seen anything unusual. And this is Philadelphia, right? This is a a, a dense big city. Mm -hmm. This is a, a neighborhood with a lot of windows and a lot of people that are home. Yeah. You would think that maybe if something, you know, violent had happened, that maybe someone would have heard or seen, but no one had. And Philadelphia is a very have-have-not city, right? Mm-hmm. It's like
1: Washington or cities like that, where there's a really big dividing line between the haves and have-nots.
0: Has-nots. Has-nots. Have-nots. Yeah. Have-nots. Yes. That sounds like a shitty cartoon we would have watched in the 1970s. Hi,
1: we're the have-nots. Yeah, it's a German show about underwater rescue. So has-nots. <laughs> welcome to the Hasnots. today we're going to dive on the wreck
0: Sven, give me the schlotten <laughs> so wherever she was dorothy had left her purse money and keys at home oh. the front door to the house had been locked so when jules showed up at home the door was locked everything was secured oh dear okay all right officers then made a search all over philadelphia with, and it was intense. And intense, Like, this made national papers. This wasn't a, a small little story. This was huge for several weeks. And, and Captain Kelly was in charge. I could just see him, Captain Kelly. What a name, eh? That's like the stereotypical... Yeah. Yeah, big, big Irish guy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so officers made a search all over Philadelphia without finding any sign of the missing woman. But the police did receive a bit of a break. In the case when nine-year-old Marcy Forstein, middle child, told Captain Kelly what she saw that night, she said that she had been awakened by the sound of someone entering the house and had left her room to see a man coming up the stairs. He went into her mother's room. She followed, and she could see through the, the door was closed but not fully, and so she could actually see through the crack of the door that her mother was lying face down on the rug and that she looked like she was sick and maybe resting. So she was out of it. Then the man who she described as wearing a brown hat and brown jacket. This is eerie and creepy uh, as well. She couldn't recall what he looked like. She couldn't describe his face. Of course he has to have a hat and a jacket. Already I'm terrified. Maybe it's
1: Mothman. He looks like the shadow. This is David Hasselhoff. God damn it, David. No, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna badger you for three hours to describe the face. But Dan, didn't anyone describe his face? Dan, what about his face? Is there a description of his face?
0: Dan, Dan, Dan. You need to read a book on professionalism. You should be embarrassed of yourself because people want to know about this story and you're behaving like a baboon. Ooh, someone is pooping their pants so let me let me just go back over that so she sees this man he's um big and he's got he's brown uh clothed he has something sticking out of his pocket she described that she wasn't sure what it was the man then picks up her mother and apparently effortlessly like as if she was a bag of feathers and put her over his shoulder dorothy and this this is an um, somewhat important note Dorothy was wearing red silk pajamas and red slippers at the time okay so not still fully clothed and everything Marcy asked the man what he was doing and apparently super calm very cheerful almost he patted her on the head and replied go back to sleep little one your mummy has been sick but she'll be all right now the man carried Dorothy downstairs And out of the house, Marcy woke her brother and they waited together for their father who arrived home about 15 minutes later. The little girl told the detectives that she had never seen the man before and had no idea who he was. She was in shock. Police were reluctant to credit the girl's story at first. It sounded absurd and made up, something that, you know, a child would sort of dream as a nightmare. Mm -hmm. There were no strange fingerprints found anywhere in the house, no sign of forced entry into the securely locked residence, and it seemed impossible that anyone could carry a woman's body in these bright red pajamas down a busy street unnoticed. And how could Mrs. Forstein have been rendered dazed or unconscious before this stranger entered the house? Yeah, yeah. She's lying on the floor face down. She sees the man come up. She go. He, She's out. So it's not like there was a struggle or anything like that. She is unconscious when he's coming in. You know, my mind is just like racing now. I'm like, oh, did they pre-drug her? Like that's one of the theories. We'll get into that. Marcy consistently stuck to this account and psychiatrists who examined her were convinced she was telling the truth mm-hmm. as bizarre As the story sounded, it was the only possible explanation the police had for Dorothy's disappearance. Wow. Dorothy Forstein was never seen again. There were no other leads, no suspects, and no explanations as to who might have taken her or why. So never seen again? Ever. Nothing. The only, the only Mabel, Mabel. Mabel, 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 rub my feet, rub my feet. The only possible connection to her that was discovered after uh, there was a second unsettling unsolved mystery uh, in nearby Delaware County where 2 gallons of blood were found spilled on a road in a place called Sycamore Mills and there was speculation that this uh, might have been related to uh, her case that it, that might have been her blood she had been exsanguinated i love using right. the word but there was but no link was ever established dna evidence did not exist at that time And this wasn't even the police thinking this. This was the newspapers and things like that wondering if this was connected.
1: Now, I know I'm probably jumping ahead and stepping on your toes, but... What's new? People have got to have speculated that it was aliens. Yes. Because it sounds
0: strange like that. Yes. Okay, cool. Newspapers all over the country, especially in Pennsylvania, carried stories about her disappearance and possible kidnapping. And then, by the end of October, the story, story largely disappeared, just as Dorothy had done. She simply vanished and was gone Without a trace. Oh, man. In 1957, Judge Carl Klein of the Orphans Court stated that Dorothy would be declared officially dead as of October 18, 1956, seven years after she had vanished, and just months after Jules Forstein himself died of heart disease. Oh, no. Yeah, he died early, too. Judge Klein's decision was based on a petition filed by Dorothy's stepdaughter, Myrna. Captain David Roberts of the Philadelphia Homicide Squad concurred that all efforts of police and private investigators had failed to discover a trace of the missing woman. For decades, no further word of Dorothy Forstein appeared in print. However, in 2003, American Hauntings, which they, they were one of my sources for this story. they mm-hmm. it's a, I believe they do a, a podcast, actually, but they also have articles online. They featured uh, the story of Dorothy Forstein on their website. And soon after, this is a bit weird, they received a letter from an attorney from the Forstein family asking if the story could be removed. The letter was not threatening. It merely made an appeal for the privacy of the family members and asked if they would consider removing it from the internet out of consideration for their grief. They agreed to do so and they later learned that several sites that had also featured that that article on the disappearance had received a similar letter. And the question that has since come up is, why the secrecy about a 50-year-old disappearance? That's insane because we all know the internet is one of the greatest tools to solve stuff like that. Correct. Wouldn't you want to know, if you were a member of that family, what had transpired? A thousand percent. Yeah, and so no no one to this day in that family is talking or is willing to open up the case for That's that That's a matter. bit sinister, I have to say. That behavior is a little bit suspect. So let's talk some different theories. I'm going to throw this one out just right off the hop because it's not the it's the least obvious, I think. I wondered in going through my research, and there are other people that feel the same way. Especially if you go into Reddit again, the thing I about Reddit by the way that I, that I find infuriating is that people who are so sure of their theories, and any person who can take a simple step back and think critically can see all the holes. I hate it when people say that's it. It must have been the judge. It had to. It was him. But no, not necessarily.
1: You know what You know what Reddit is to me? Reddit is like a really great friend that you have, but he's just a jerk when he drinks too much. You know what I mean? You love being with him and you can forgive it, but when he drinks too much, he's just a fucking jerk. That's what Reddit is to me. I love it, hate it. Twitter's the same yeah. way. Reddit more so for me though, because people in Reddit, there's some really goddamn smart people there. Are you a Redditor? Like, are you, do you post? No, I'm not. I've never signed up for it, but I, I consult it. A lot. I consulted a lot when I buy stuff. Really? Yeah. They're great for really? reviewing stuff and like, like for example, I want to buy a TV for my, um when I move because I'm going to have like a dedicated home theater. So I actually want to get an 85 inch big ass TV.
0: Well, I can tell you if I can give you one piece of advice on that front. Yeah. Buy a flat screen because I hear they're all the rage these days. Oh No,
1: no. I want to get like an uh you know, a rear projection. They're really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they, some come with a shelf for your beer. Oh, it's nice.
0: Jeez. Yeah. We did have a TV like that, and it was. This was a big deal in the 1980s. Is a 36-inch Sony Trinitron, mm-hmm. but it came in a built-in wood cabinet. Yeah, we had that too. Everybody had that.
1: And my mother had like a vase on top of it.
0: Yeah, it was huge. It, it weighed like hundreds of yeah, pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like,
1: it was made to look like... for. Um, but what I was going to say is, and I found that the brand to get, uh, up and coming brand is a brand called TCL and everybody's raving about it. And so um, thanks to Reddit, that's the direction I'm going. So that's how I use Reddit on a kind of daily basis,
0: just to steer me in the right direction. Gilboa Fruit is the parent company of TCL, correct? No, they let them go. It just wasn't Thank working God. out too many bananas in the, uh, continue. I want to hear more. If, if you don't keep talking, I'm going to go and listen to Brenda and Jesus. So the, the theory that like who could have been behind it, that uh, not many people do sort of explore. And I think it's worthy of is Myrna, the oldest daughter. So at the time of the murder, Myrna was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Her, her mom had died when she was 10 and there's some chatter that she was resentful of her father marrying so quickly after uh, her mother passed and never actually liked Dorothy. So what? Who cares? Right. And this is why I don't think it's, it is it is this, but, you know, she has an alibi. She was at a friend's house that night. What is it if she hired someone, gave them a key and, but then, you know, how do you, that person was pretty damn good. It wasn't a sloppy job. You know what I mean? Well, and Also, she's 19, move out. Right. Unless the motivation
1: is she doesn't
0: want the woman to stand in the way of her inheritance. Perhaps. And also the other piece I also feel um, destroys that is that the first attack, which it's too coincidental if they're not related in a way, you know, I feel like that that maybe they are. Mm -hmm. She was 15. I don't think any 15 year old would have the ability to organize a hit on someone they didn't like. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of, kind of unbelievable. Okay. So who's the most obvious, of course, is Jules. Team. And the big thing is why he reported so late, right? We mentioned that uh, it does appear that he went through informal channels uh, before he officially reported her missing. And as a judge, he, he absolutely had friends in the police force, and it sounds like he activated them. So a lot of people have pointed at him, as, and that being sort of a sign of guilt that he waited as long as he did to make an official report. But apparently, in Philadelphia, uh, you are not allowed to report a person missing until they've been gone for 24 hours Okay, in Philadelphia. Okay, so that's the regulation there. He had a connection. Uh, there's some people that say he might have had connections in the criminal underworld, and this is plausible, uh, that could have done away with her cleanly. You know, he's absolutely, you know, in the the uh, law and order world and, and back deals can happen. But the problem with that is, There is no motive. There is no reason for him to have wanted to kill her. So they had a healthy, loving relationship? They had a healthy, loving relationship, an old relationship, right? They had been childhood sweethearts. They grew apart. He married another woman. She comes back into his life. Apparently they were, when seen together, they were, you know, happy. Now, of course, optics can be one thing and the reality mm-hmm. of their lived life could be another. And that leads to the other piece that she may, he may have been beating her and she ran away. Right. You know, so he didn't kill her, but that she's disappeared not and didn't die, but just left. And maybe that man was her lover, you know? Right. But that doesn't work with the, um, the stepdaughter's testimony that she saw her lying face down and being carried out. And also people say, if you knew her, you knew how much she loved her children, even her her stepchildren. She okay. Her whole world was them, and there's no way that she would have left them in a house if the father, you know, was a predator. Okay, okay. So the other piece, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, was that some people have speculated that his first wife had actually died of poisoning. Oh. And that he had poisoned her, and that perhaps... He had poisoned Dorothy as well, and that is why she was unconscious on the floor and looking, in quote, uh, sick, unquote. You know, but again, why, why go to that trouble? Yeah. To do that, if you are then hiring some sort of uh, hitman to to take her out. Like there's other ways that you could do it that are less elaborate that would have less moving pieces. So many things could have gone wrong, right? So many things could go to, could have gone wrong. And then the the other piece to that too is if he's the one, if he's the guy who did it. Uh, first of all, he has a uh, he had a basically a, a um foolproof alibi. There's no way he could have done it. So solid, ironclad he was somewhere else. Yep. Always visible to, to other witnesses, okay. right? Here's the other piece. If he had it out for his wife, why would he plan an attack in 1945 that almost finishes the job and then wait four more years? Mm -hmm. That makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense at all. So even the police agreed that he was not really a suspect. Okay. Like he, there was just no motive to do it. He certainly didn't have means to do it because he was elsewhere when it occurred. There is another person though that has come up and his name was Morris Anmuth. In September of 1944, a crowd had assembled in Philadelphia to protest then-Republican presidential candidate Thomas Dewey, and apparently it was over racist remarks that he had made uh, towards Jewish people as he prepared to make a speech at the Pennsylvania Railroad Station. Two Philadelphia policemen, James McCarthy and Samuel Ralston, saw Anmuth and perceived his mannerisms to be threatening. They pulled him out of the crowd on charges of inciting to riot, resisting arrest and disorderly conduct. M Youth was fined a whopping $10, which I'm guessing was a shit ton of money back then. Yeah, really, eh? But he countered it by filing assault and battery charges against the two officers, claiming they beat him for nearly 20 minutes. McCarthy and Ralston were originally held on $1,000 bails each by Magistrate James McBride. So they, they he had enough of a case that they were arrested and, tro- like, they were being held in custody. And back then, you would not want to raise the ire of the police unless you absolutely had to, right? However, the charges against the officers were later dropped by Magistrate Jules Forstein. uh oh. It has been theorized that Anmuth was the man who attacked Dorothy in 1945, retaliating against Forstein for his lenience with the officers, and that Anmuth was also the man who abducted Dorothy. The problem with that, the police investigated him. He was one of the the guys that they went after and looked into, Mm -hmm. and they didn't feel it was him either. Well, that doesn't seem like enough to go that far. Right. That's not enough fuel for a good vendetta. Exactly. I was beaten up by these two guys. You let them off. I'm going to go in and, and kill your wife. Speaking of which, I just got a copy of V for Vendetta on 4K and I can't wait to watch it. Is that the one where it's a group of uh, lifeguards? So here's another interesting one that I think is Sorry, not interesting. This is a dumb theory, I think, that the person coming to drag her away was actually from a mental hospital, that she was never the same after the initial attack, and that this was uh, a cover up to because he didn't want the stigma of having his wife institutionalized. So they created this cover story that uh, she, you know, she was abducted. When in reality, she would spend the rest of her lives in a mental uh, institution. That's ridiculous. I think it's dumb. Yeah. Because why would you create the big uh, story that goes national? Like, you know, come on. That's ridiculous. And then, uh, and also the kids' uh, description of what had happened. And, you know, they say, well, when the man says to the little girl, your mom's been sick, but she's going to be okay now. Maybe he meant that. I think that's hogwash and dumb. Yeah, me too. The other, and this is neat how this sort of has worked out and played from last week to this, is that this shadowy figure that's seen, that it was either a ghost or a spirit or a harbinger of doom, that it was, or, and some have even sort of theorized that it was like a, a guardian angel, that she had died on the floor and was being taken away by this Oh,
1: okay, okay, right. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, just the way that he was described by the little girl as being this very friendly, very calm, very powerful being. Also, the neighbor, if you remember when the original attack, and this is a quote, she doesn't say she said it looked like something, like a shadowy something that was following her, right? But it wasn't but what did its face look like? Did no one
1: see the face? Alan Alda. <laughs> Radar burnt the oatmeal. Another thing is like, if you're lying face down on the floor, you're either passed out or dead. Nobody lies face down on the floor. That's just, that's not not fun. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: So that's two options. She's passed out or she's dead, right? Right. So, and then the last theory, of course, is speculate. people have speculated, of course, that she was abducted by aliens. Yeah, really? Well, here's the other thing too about all of this is that we know that the doors were locked and the doors before the incident and the doors remained locked after the incident. So either this person had a key or, and this is where the aliens come in, people say that he teleported out because the little girl just said he went down the stairs and that's it. He was gone. Right. You never saw him leave the house. So some people have theorized that it was an, an alien abduction. No evidence. No cool stuff like what you had mentioned last week with Mothman and and what was the Col- Indrid Cold? Indrid Cold? Indrid. That's like the
1: coolest name. It's such a cool name. And the voice they used for him in the Richard Gere movie is really very good.
0: It's very off-putting. Yeah, but it's not. It's not like cool. No. Hi, no. I, I'm Indrid Cold. No,
1: it's very like, hi, this is Indrid Cold.
0: Yeah. <sighs> like, like, That'd be so disappointing if you met an alien and that was the voice they had.
1: No, actually, because you, I expect a. And if you get something really high pitched and weird.
0: Hi, my name is Clarden Fifth. We have to do an examination on your anal cavity. Yeah, I
1: well, that's not a spirit, that's just a, a nurse. Or a doctor? We're oh, talking about an alien. Oh, like an I alien see the alien. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That. the best That'd be very disappointing best monster voice that's ever been done is in a Canadian horror movie called Black Christmas. That was a massive, massive. I didn't know that was Canadian. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a massive oh. cult hit, and mm-hmm. I can tell you an interesting story about that movie as well. But anyway, in the movie, the voice of the killer, who's goes by I think Billy or something, is actually four voices all together and one of them is like a young girl and it is the most disturbing shit i have ever heard it's my favorite voice ever done in any horror franchise including pennywise cool anybody because it just makes you want to take a shower
0: they all float down here
1: yeah it's more. they all float down
0: here that was my tim curry pennywise
1: uh yeah anyway so yeah black christmas you didn't like that did you I, i'm not a tim curry fan riley That's it. So there's
0: no trace of her. Nothing. She literally disappeared. Fuck. Nothing. So what's cool is that there are internet sleuths that that continue to work on this case. They've even gone back and started looking at uh, her childhood and who she was growing up. You know, there's facts you can find through old yearbooks. They've looked at things like that. They've looked in. People have really dived into the first wife's uh, death. And how she died and and there was some conflict there too initially where they thought maybe she died like a year later but no it, it sounds like it was during childbirth and nothing there's nothing no one's ever found anything and it drives a lot of these internet sleuths up the wall because they just can't there's, there's nothing can't to hook on to nowhere you know what i can't help but
1: feel that somehow The thing that, if if you presented me with those four theories, or five, I guess, whatever, the one that I would be most attracted to and think that I could probably work through would be the one that's vengeance
0: against the judge. Mm -hmm. Because that's not uncommon, right? Mm -hmm. And he never remarried. Okay. He never never found love again. So it's not like he had a mistress on the side. Well, he died not long thereafter, right? Yeah, it was early 50s that he passed. Or
1: mid-50s, whatever. Yeah, not long after. But if you kill somebody for vengeance, you want them to know.
0: Don't you? I, th- I would. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they did know, but they didn't tell. Yeah. So this goes back again to the whole why the family may maybe doesn't want anyone to talk about the story anymore. Mm-hmm. That's weird, too. That's really weird as well. They have a vested interest in keeping this thing silent. Yeah, that's really weird. Or maybe the Edward was was creepy. And- it's like mostly harmless,
1: remember? The family won't say a word about it. Yeah. Which makes it look just that much more suspect in the eyes of the external beholders. Yes. Oh, I bet people are just losing their mind about this mystery on Reddit. I bet. And I bet there's people that have gone to visit and
0: wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's people that have even gone to the neighborhood yeah. to look at the street. and I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and one of the comments that people will make too is there's no way that you could take a person in their 90s in a close-knit, it's a close-knit neighborhood, right? Where yeah. lots of nosy neighbors looking out their windows that no one would have seen something. Wow. So that's the story. That's a good one. And I love the idea that she just up and vanished. That's it. She just vanished in thin air. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Riley, that is it for the show this evening. Anything you would like to, you need to bring up? Are you okay? (laughs) Am I okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I don't think there
1: really is anything. I'm just loving that winter is passing Finally leaving us. I had lunch on a patio with friends on the weekend. I'm social distanced.
0: COVID is, is slowly... Um, well, I should, I'm saying this as as we're here in in where we're living is in, we're entering a third wave, but there's a light uh, on the horizon. Yeah, my dad got his shot. He's 89. Are, my parents are in line now to get their shot sometime next week, I believe. Yeah. Well, you know what's nice is that once pandemic is over you and i will be able to do these in person oh, i can't wait and have guests and just yeah and we'll mm-hmm. uh we'll figure
1: out what the future of this looks like i hope i can't wait for us to go to the next level with this and we're getting enough listeners that
0: it now seems possible i would like and just hear me out on this we haven't talked about this before but when we can i would love to do this show in a hot air balloon
1: <laughs> i'll never go up in hot air balloon do you know why because i'm one of those people that as soon as I- <laughs> That's one reason. But as soon as that? as soon as I get into a situation <laughs> where it's difficult to pee, I immediately have to pee.
0: Bring a bring a, a jug. I don't want to do that. I just don't want pee to pee over the side. So that's why. That's why I wouldn't go in one of those mini subs. I wouldn't go in and I would be terrified. I'd be looking at the
1: straps the whole time can i tell you something by the way and it's related to the to the pod um in at sean tucker who was our guest uh who uh, gave us that glorious two-parter on the titanic at his behest Mm -hmm. at his recommendation i went and watched ghosts of the abyss which is the james cameron movie about um visiting the titanic in those small submersibles it was awesome where did you watch it i downloaded it okay and i wish i had seen it when it came out because it was in um What's that? You know, the big screen. What's that called again?
0: Uh, 3D,
1: like a, a... IMAX. Oh, okay. it was an IMAX film in 3D, mm-hmm. and so I really wish I'd seen it when it was first released. But the great thing about it, Dan, I re- really recommend if you are into the Titanic, watch it because they explore the wreck with cameras, and as they do, they superimpose footage of what the place would have looked like when it wasn't Mm. completely wrecked by you know all the stuff that's down at the bottom of the sea Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. they'll be like oh look there's the window of the dining room and suddenly superimposed over that you'll see the trend i think i saw this and i think i saw it in imax
0: it was amazing and it really gave
1: me a sense of the ship i walked Mm -hmm. away feeling that i knew the ship a bit better and it was just a really good experience and it wasn't like watching the titanic where i had to get through all that bullshit narrative it was just Mm -hmm. a nice straight you know and, and bill paxton is just so charming and mm-hmm. everybody's really cool mm-hmm. and it was just mm-hmm. really good so thanks sean for that and i recommend anybody who was really interested in the titanic as i am it's a good watch enough cool. said
0: super dupes all right folks that's it for the show uh, i mentioned this last week I'll, I'll say it again if you like what you're listening to if you've enjoyed this show and our past shows please share the good word of the weird to your friends your family your co-workers to david hasselhoff Um, David, if you're listening, huge fan of Knight Rider and Baywatch and not so much the game show. Oh my God. I've just burnt bridges with David Hasselhoff. Oh yeah. What is that? America's got talent. That's where he ended up. Not my thing. But anyway, David, please uh, share the show with your other judge friends and maybe some of the contestants. If you want to swivel that chair and face the audience and shout, please listen to the weird.
1: Dan, he hasn't been on that show in like 10 years. You mean he's a ghost he's retired i think he Um, he left america's got talent i think like 10 years ago i think howard stern took his place
0: or somebody david if you are in a seniors residence (laughs) and you're playing shuffleboard just scream it out to everyone in your home listen to the weird and then of course the people in the home will say on what channel and you'll say david no it's on the internet and they'll say what's that and you'll say the thing with email, and they'll go, oh, I'll call my son to. And what time is it on? And then you'll say, David, uh, no, no, it's 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 streamed. You can you can listen to it anytime. By how much do it? Uh. Anyway, David, do the best you can. Oh, and you can also rate us. Yeah, we like that.
1: And anyway, we just love doing this. We really love doing this. Uh, And we love that you listen. And that's our greatest reward It always, Honestly, folks, I know it sounds like a cliche, but whenever I log on and find out that like hundreds of people have listened to a show, I feel really good about it because I put a lot into it and it makes me happy. And I like these kind of stories and I'm glad other people do as well. That's all I have to say.
0: Shuffleboard. Good night, everybody. My favorite part
1: of that, by the way, Dan, was the fact that they're going to call their son. (laughs) Old people in computers, they always, I'm going to call my son. It's always that. Bravo. All right. That's it. Good night. Good night.
0: Well, hi, y'all. And welcome to this week's edition of Brandon Jesus, brought to you each week at this time by the fine folks at Dale's Barbecue and Sweet Corn Emporium. With two locations to serve you, Dell's is where folks go for a little down-home goodness. Open every day except Sunday, because even the Lord knows when to turn off the grill. This week, we are proud to welcome the members of the Christian Teen Choir, who share stories of how they resisted the temptation to engage in premarital sex by accepting the gift of Christian music. We also welcome back to the show Miss Elaine Beaufort Jackson, who will discuss simple ways to beautify your home without being vain and prideful. All this and more is coming your way. So sit back, relax, and praise the Lord.